0: Greetings, rabble-rousers. My name is Jessa McLean. Welcome to Blueprints for Disruption, a weekly discussion dedicated to amplifying activism across Turtle Island. Together, we will examine tactics, explore motivations, and celebrate successes in disrupting the status quo. This podcast is a proud part of New Left Media. Welcome to another edition of Blueprints of Disruption. Today, I have with me activist, teacher, and ally, Anna Jessup, Anna is part of a group called Fund Our Communities and Defund the Police. They're a Toronto-based group that, among other things, have a weekly rally at the Toronto Police Headquarters every Thursday evening. During our interview, Anna makes it clear that she is just one person, one contributor, a settler, who's doing what she believes is needed from all allies. She sees herself as just a a small contributor amongst those that she describes as much braver than herself. For the organizers and activists listening out there, I encourage you to pay particular attention to the intersectional approach Fund Our Communities and Defund the Police uses and the various ways that different groups can help each other out. Like the other episodes that we've done, we're not just going to explore their tactics— but also their motivations. We're going to hear about the relationship building that needs to be at the center of all great movement building. As we all should, Anna continually learns from those around her. Uh, We'll hear about how she uses that knowledge and relies on her comrades to create spaces for folks to really connect, share, and ultimately fight back against police violence and colonial oppression. Let's listen in. Anna's going to introduce herself. We hate speaking for people here. So, Anna, please tell us, you know, who are you and what do you do?
1: Um, well, I'd have to say the most fun thing I do is uh, raise my 12-year-old child, Max. Uh, and then I uh, also, for fun and and for uh, a paycheck, I'm an elementary school teacher in the Toronto District School Board um, in the northeast area of Scarborough, Scarborough in a... Uh, really wonderful uh community called malvern and uh yeah and then i uh, i also do work um with uh, a group called fund our communities defund the police named after the banner and it's a that, that we carry and it's a, a grassroots group we meet every thursday outside of toronto police headquarters with a banner that says fund our communities defund the police and um and because we're there consistently it's uh it's drawn a drawn some like a steady, like a, you know, some regulars. And, uh, and it's a community that I really enjoy being with. Every Thursday,
0: no fail, like yeah. rain, shine, no matter what. Not yet. And what are you doing down there?
1: Well, the, uh, we, our demand is, uh, transfer wealth from police, military, and big business into sustainable publicly owned infrastructure in the hands of the people. Um, and, uh, so it's a, we chose that because uh, every oppressed people struggle at some, point, at some point must confront the police. And that means that every struggle, uh, regardless of where geographically, regardless of where intersectionally, um, at some point uh, can benefit from that struggle because uh, whether it's here, whether it's in Guatemala um, you know, or any place in the world, uh, colonial, colonial uh, capital pays police to do its dirtiest work. So
0: we'll get a little bit more into the issue of defunding the police and funding our communities. Um, but I mean, when you're down there, are you engaging with people? Are you, You've got a banner, obviously, to let people know exactly what your messaging is. Um, do you leaflet? Do you engage people? Do you engage the police? I mean, I, they must be down there. It's their headquarters.
1: Yeah. Uh, they engage us. Actually, they are, you know what they are regulars. It's really sweet. Um I mean they are a regular audience and and this is uh, beneficial sometimes because um people who have been incarcerated um and who are also victims of uh, residential schools have a lot to say to the police. And since they're stationed there, they can't really leave their captive audience. Um and uh, so basically what we do, we uh, have banner like we hang we have this um rope that goes like between two trees right in front of the entrance to the Toronto Police Headquarters, which is also next door to Native Child and Family Services. Not so coincidentally. Um and uh so the, and, and so that's like a palestinian flag and um uh, you know land back uh you know progressive pride flag like all the, all the intersectional struggles uh we have a sound system and uh it's an open mic with um with a speaking order inverse in, verse, uh, in uh, inverse order to uh, your intersectional privilege so that means racialized women speak first and uh, and it's, it's, it's an open mic, they're, they're, you know, and, and we usually do a, a live stream. So people who have been on the front line of p- police violence, which is to be on the front line of uh, colonial oppression, tell their story. And uh, while they tell their story, we, we uh, live stream, uh, flyers go out. Uh, we also make sure to promote work being done uh, by by racialized uh, grassroots organizations, um, anti-colonial, anti-racist, abolitionist groups, so that we are very focused on putting uh, our people power behind other groups that might need like labor done for them. Um, so, flyering, uh, spoken word, and we're right across the street from a uh, from a. a posh uh bar where the cops like to hang out and there's usually a patio there and so we've got an audience there too. We play music uh oftentimes we you know we'll take the street and just like dance. Um there's often around dance and uh um because it's very much like it's very much led by the indigenous folks who come out, we have all this like, you know, like, you know, all no, like, well, great music, right? So, you know, this so there's music fabulous. and there's dancing, and sometimes we'll sit in the street. It's fun. Oh, oh my
0: goodness. I had no idea, to be honest, to the extent of the participation level, you know, because something's so sustained, you know, every week. How do you have the energy to put something like that together every single week?
1: It's not like it's always a lot of people, and you know, the very first time, um, I'll, I'll confess to have had uh, to having weekly Wednesday night panic attacks. Oh my God, it's Toronto Police Headquarters! Boom, 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 boom. What's what going to happen? You know, imagining all these things. It's been fine. Uh, I'm not saying that there it isn't tricky sometimes. Um, but uh, but I also wondered about the numbers of people. Like, how are we going to maintain people every week? And I, but I I decide, you know. And and the first time that we did it, I thought to myself, okay, I can just gonna convey to people that, like, this is about the organizing. It's not about demonstrating. Like, you can't demonstrate your power before you have organized it. And if we are here every Thursday, people will know to find us here and so you know during the worst weather here in toronto sometimes it was just two of us sometimes it was my friend richard and me and that was it um you know but but not usually it's not like well you know we usually get you know at least 10 people sometimes it's more sometimes a demo that's walking nearby will join us and so there was this beautiful um confluence of like you know pro-palestinian uh land back demonstration just filling the street once and that's not it i mean there's other stuff too there's also Land Back Square.
0: Tell me more.
1: And, uh, and and there were some like other I don't want like there are these other groups that uh, see because, because um one thing that we do is just um, put resources behind like if you want like to build alliances and to to help organize the left in Toronto. It's important to kind of notice who can use help, who can use a banner, who can use some people to put out flyers, who can use people postering their stuff. And then to offer those as services, like it's just like here, we'll volunteer this for you. You need a banner? Oh, you want a banner that says wet suet and strong? Fantastic. Oh, you want to take uh Dundas Square and turn it into Lamback Square? It sounds awesome. Okay, we'll make a banner. And then just like put it together. And then there's this incredible group that, yeah, you know, with a lot of people who are also at. Uh, Toronto Police Headquarters every week, who occupied formerly Dundas Square, Young and Dundas, uh, every Sunday from four o'clock until whenever the whenever people get tired, um, and uh, and so there's a lot of crossover there, and that turns into a street party. Um, it's incredible how like you just like we just go there and stand in the intersection, and I and I felt like as a, as a settler. Um, I'm not recognized as any kind of leader to, in other communities because, like, for someone else, Joey Twin will be recognized as as the the as contact person for Toronto Police Headquarters, or they might uh, know Benisi, or they might know uh, Masquasset. Like, there are other people who they'll they'll contact, right? Um, and and of course, and Landback Square is much more, even more so, Indigenous led, um, and so if someone and there's something about that that for me as a as a settler. Uh, who does not have as much courage as the people I organize with? Straight up, um, I uh, I get a lot of courage from someone just saying, "Okay." I'm like, "Okay, what do I do now?" Like, just stand here, hold the banner. Okay, all right, and the cars are all coming, honking. You know, I'm like, "Okay, buddy." Um, so you're going to be an asshole. Okay, so here is my. I'm just recording your. I'm live streaming your license plate. Okay. You know, and, and then eventually they calm down. Or sometimes you just make eye contact and just hold up your fists and try to cheer them up, and they do. But eventually, regardless of the tactic, they get the picture that the intersection is closed. They're not going through. And then people begin, and then um, after the border, like the border to each entry point to, to Lamback Square has been closed, um, then, uh, you know, cars just begin to detour themselves. People begin to come in, set up the sound system, Um and then the speakers start and it's indigenous uh speakers women who have fought to have get their children back who who know the inside of uh of the prison system uh from from being you know from unjust convictions and um and who are um, sixty scoop survivors and residential school survivors? Like a number of the people who are like a large number of these people are from that generation of residential schools, and will describe in detail the trauma beginning with the residential school system onward through um, through the prison system and, and you know, being targeted by police trafficking. So there's a lot of knowledge about about the logistics of uh, human trafficking, and 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 the way it systemically preys on indigenous women that you will get right there listening to women on the microphone, telling you about it. And, uh, and so that's going on while people watch, you know, block off the borders, eventually the police show up. Um, at first they were somewhat, there have been times when they've been hostile I was not there during some of a lot of those times, uh, when it was first established one car, just, I saw it on YouTube. I wasn't there. Um, drove right through the banner and just poof, carried the banner, like wet, suet, and strong, poof, right up Young Street, flapping in the wind. So we made another banner. Um, but uh, lately, um, uh, it's been, the cars have been more respectful and the police, sh- when, they, when they show up, they'll block the intersections so that there's, to keep everyone safe. Um, and they kind of do some of that work for us. And then eventually, uh, young people show up and fill up the streets and play music. And, and it's like this dance party going down. <laughs> from dundas to wherever on young um and uh yeah so it can be a lot of fun but it's not but it's it can also be tricky gotta, gotta have your wits about you right so
0: yeah i imagine like when i i the live streaming i imagine that's as much as reach out as it is protection as well right that you're documenting what's happening. And like you said, kind of thwarting the um, onslaught of haters by letting them know that they are going to go viral should they misbehave. But uh, you know, taking up space in front of uh, Toronto police headquarters. um, I mean, that's quite the decision to do that. Um, And that's a very busy intersection. Young and Dundas um, could be, very disruptive They are
1: separate locations I, I might have been confusing in how I present how I presented it, but um, they are within walking distance within a good you know an easy walking distance um, and, and yeah
0: yeah, and you haven't just um disrupted the traffic or the flow, but you've actually created a space to hear stories to disseminate critical information that folks are clearly not getting through other channels. So, you know, when it was first described to me, it was a demo, you know, I I pictured a banner, some leaflets, um, you know, hashtag defund the police, but it's clearly so much more than that. Um, even from the way that you've structured it, you know, uh, that you've providing a bit of an alternative way of doing things and that space you're creating. Um, that's very like, I imagine maybe that wasn't the initial, like the very first time you guys went down on a Thursday and stood outside, uh, was it reactionary? Was it in response to one of these horrific um, displays of police brutality? Um, You know, can you remember that first Thursday where you- Oh,
1: I certainly can. Yeah. Tell us, yeah. Um, You know, I got, I was inspired. I got the idea from uh, Jewish Women Against the Occupation because uh, years ago they used to, and I, I th- they I think there's another group that still does, um, consisting of many of the same people, occupy the space outside the Israeli consulate on Bloor Street in Toronto, every Friday, consistently, no matter what, and, and someone told me about that, and I thought, wow, that's so cool, right? Because I because I know where to find them, I can fit it into my schedule, I can just be there, the the steady presence. And it stuck with me, and I and I I thought about about the power of that to draw people to build a community, and actually to just sort of like occupy, to claim a space for for people. That there, there was something about that, that that seemed that was effective to me and and reliable, and and I and so I didn't know how to do it. I was thinking about all kinds, like, um, but I thought this is a really important thing to do, and um, and then. Uh, During the pandemic, uh, we started doing something similar called, you know, uh, with social housing green deal, um, and uh, and then uh, decided to to, uh, the group of us decided that uh, fund our communities to fund the police was just more pertinent because it's because it it, it's a uh, it resonates with all the different um, movements like it's it's really it gets to like the you know the 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 penetrating. Spike of like the of colonialism when it really when it gets you personally it 's through the police or 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 the military right very often right but it 's from one of those budget lines and uh, but yeah, it was about occupying creating a consistent space um a good a good friend an old friend of mine, John Moore. Uh, around the same time had been holding regular sacred fire in Dufferin Grove and had over years like established this community by being regular there. And I forget what day it was. He'd always be inviting me out and I didn't go blah, blah, blah. Then I really, you know, but he was doing something so significant, so important, building community with other people there. And, um, and, and that community very much is like part of what, of who like that, that community, a lot of those folks come to our events, um, to, to come to the events at, uh, at Toronto Police Headquarters, and so John Moore deserves a lot of credit in building that community Uh, and having that consistent space, right? You know where to find us on a bad day. You just want to see some friends. (laughs) You you can find these people right here.
0: Because that's one thing I definitely wanted to ask you is, you know, why this approach? Why this Regular weekly, which to like an organizer to me sounds exhausting, but then so reliable, like you said about the Jewish women against the occupation, that you knew where to find them. And that is so comforting, especially in a city with so many people that are so frustrated by so many things. And if they just knew that, you know, maybe not this Thursday, but next Thursday I can be there or the following Thursday or the way that you described uh, another demonstration would know that if it's on a Thursday and they pass by, they could end up at a a bit of a street party. And that consistency is so critical, I think, to building the community, right? It allows that accessibility. So again, if you're not available this Thursday, next Thursday, join us. You like this this week, we are here again next week, you know, bring a friend, <laughs> It makes it so much easier. There's no doodle poll. When are y'all available? Um, You know, uh, that one time deal and then live streaming it. Obviously, people can then participate. Do you find um, those days, though, that it's just maybe the two of you in the rain? Do you ever think of stopping? Do you ever think? No. No.
1: Um well I mean one thing it's really I mean there were point there was a point where I was like I can't do this like someone else has have to but then I realized hold on hold on hold on um this is actually like like I don't have to other people want to do it <laughs> like and so it's just that also that that like holding it enough that you realize okay like th- th- there's so many other people you know like you know Richard's going to be there John's going to be there Mascuisson's going to be there other people are going to be there um And, and I, and I don't have to. So like, if something happens, you know, like I, you know, I'm a single mom. So like, you know, something comes up, all right, I'm not there this week, but there, but once it becomes regular and it's, it's got routine, you know, people know the people know what to do.
0: (laughs) They know the two trees. They know where the rope goes. (laughs) They know how the microphone works, right? The the cis white males can wait their turn. Um. I, I, I like how you work your mic. I know in some of our organizings we do it, we call it an equity mic, right. Um, on zoom, but that reverse order is, um, everybody knows, well, most people know exactly what that means. So, I mean, that's just such a beautiful approach. And I, I can only imagine how you must feel then on those days where, it's maximum capacity. There are songs, there are speakers waiting at the mic. You hear stories you've never heard before. And it makes all those rainy days. Yeah. Worth it. You know, where you weren't sure anybody would show up or how it would turn out. So, I mean, that's, that's truly beautiful.
1: And people, and, and also people appreciate it because, you know, I think there's this idea that some folks have that a demonstration is supposed to be big. You're supposed to fill the streets now, how you get to that point, we're not quite sure, but um, you must fill the streets. And there's really just this, fo- this photo image in people's minds of that victory moment. Um, and and what's really cool is that you know if you're afraid of if you're afraid of not getting out those numbers, you don't have to set that expectation. You can just be like, no, we're just go- we're going to be here consistently. And people actually, contrary to you know you know, feeling like, oh, that wasn't enough. They're like, no, you know what? You were there every single day, even when it was right. Like, and 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 it's and it gets a lot of respect. People appreciate the work and then they get to actually see the work of, of organising. Of course, it takes years to, to build, you know, it's it's the slow work of organising and, and you're making it open and you're making it public and, and it's fun.
0: Who are you appealing to, you know, when you're down there, when you hold up the sign that says D-Bund? Are, you know, who are you appealing to? Uh... People who've been fucked over by the police. Which is a lot. I, yeah, it is. But I imagine, you know, we need allies as well. Do you find beyond building the communities, which is critical, so we don't want to be dismissive of that, of that, but if we just set that aside, are we growing the community using these tactics? Are we getting allies who maybe didn't... He- don't have experience, like they hear these women telling stories of, of trafficking and they hear um, of the 60s scoop or, you know, p- acts of police brutality. Are they stopping and, and staying? Yeah. That, you know, that must be a real disruption for their night, uh, especially in some of these locations. Maybe they're going out, they want to have a good time, they stumble across this, you know,
1: that is that, that's the impact you're going for, eh? Um, well, it's, I mean, it's very easy to just drive by if you want. It's very easy to walk by if you want. But if you, you know, you smell the, you smell the sweet grass burning, you see this group of people and and sometimes it is a nice big group. Like, you know, like it's it's, pretty hard to miss a lot of time. We can be pretty, you know, like, whoa, okay. (laughs) You know, there's a something happening here and it's but there, it's also positive so it like it's so important to keep it fun like bring some food individually wrapped food so that we can share it and it's you know got some covid safety there and um and then we're and, and also the, you know just like you know the so there's food there's music um keeping it upbeat and keeping it fun um having a sound system where someone gets to be joey is usually our dj um she's uh you know Got the best tunes, so um, yeah, it, it, it changes people's day. Uh, but then when we can always say, "Well, we're here next Thursday," and I'm like, "All right." And then sometimes they show up, you know. And um, I, there's a lot of there's also a lot of contact with uh, encampments that have been evicted, right? So so when we first we had our very first gathering on July first last year in front of Toronto Police Headquarters, and that was shortly after uh, the residential school graves had been found. Now we didn't know when we were first setting up that location. That the graves were going to be found because um, we were planning it before before the news broke. Um, but it naturally, but what anything that comes up can like, can naturally in some way fit into this anti colonial struggle. Um, and, uh, and so that, that made a connection. So in terms of growing, growing the, the movement, um, that meant that there was this really solid connection with indigenous communities, uh, folks who are indigenous folks who are organizing here in Toronto, um, when something comes up in the news, uh, about another, uh, another, you know, shooting of a black person, you know, by Peel police or, you know, someone, you know, someone in Toronto, you know, or, um, there's an, it immediately, there's some more people who connect to that, who can connect to that spot, and 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 a lot of folks uh, during the encampment evictions here in Toronto last summer um, made a direct connection, and uh, and so it it, allows, it naturally allows um, for us to, to connect to things that are going on in the city that uh, you know all the left wing struggles can connect to it. If you're a left wing activist, you know you got you it's you got a strong interest in defunding the police. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, your messaging is certainly anti-capitalist as well as anti-colonial, which essentially are tied to one another. We know that. Um, would you say most of the people that participate, you know, consider themselves anti-capitalists or is that a little bit of work that needs to be done?
1: Uh, you know, it's interesting you to ask that because, um, I mean, I, I definitely um, see this as, a, as, a, as a, a socialist struggle. Like, you know, ultimately, I, I want us to, you know, I think we need an international socialist movement to overturn imperialism and uh, especially now that we're in, we're in the midst of uh, what what is emerging as another imperial war and I um, uh, so I mean certainly I, I take it from a uh, um, from a socialist perspective an anti-capitalist perspective when organizing with folks uh, uh, indigenous folks here on Turtle Island that language is not really particular like that doesn't really engage so much and so kind of bridging that like you know the language that um, that my friend Joey uses to talk about these struggles um, uh, and my friend John you know like I um, like those f- like th- there's like they're teaching me about like how to organize and, and I am learning a lot like I' become you know like there's there's a different method of grassroots organizing that that Joey and John apply. And similarly, I've got this method that I've been using, and so there's a so it's a little bit like uh, learning each other's language, like you know, uh, like talking about the terms that that get used, and so and uh, yes, there is definitely work there. You know, we're we're doing that work with each other. I like that with each other,
0: you know, because uh, certainly uh, being indigenous-led provides that alternate perspective. One that we're trying to amplify, right, as a possible solution um, to all the issues that, you know, we face as a society. So, yeah, our end goal, um, I think, is shared there, you know, a socialist revolution, Um And like this work has to go on on so many different levels, right? You talk about filling the streets, you know, we do have to fill the streets eventually. Yeah. But I, I, I definitely wrote that quote down from you. I feel like I want it on a t-shirt. You can't demonstrate power until you've organized it. Um, And so this network building these connections, I mean, it's what a beautiful foray into activism should someone stumble across this and, open their eyes and join in and join up the next Thursday. Um I think that's just such a kind of organic grassroots approach. And I mean you say sometimes it's small numbers, sometimes it's large numbers, but you've described so many different groups already that are interconnected and have very similar tactics. You know, maybe not the same, but you know this consistency, this um woven allyship where, you know, it's Trade and labor and what do you need and how can you help us and and that is just so wonderful. I mean, can you remember your first experience with activism? Was it anything like this?
1: I can remember um, yeah, so like well like okay, so the very first time uh, my my dad was reading uh, a book by Linda McQuaig called behind closed doors, and it was just when the GST was being introduced, which was a regressive tax. This book was about the big businesses paying nothing for tax, huge, huge tax breaks. How old are you? And and that this is where I was eleven. Okay, so so I got, and so I, and you know, and I, I, I was, you know. I didn't have a whole lot else going on at the time, you know, so I had time on my hands and I wrote this letter to Michael Wilson and uh, underlined things in red, you know, this makes me mad, I had my marker underneath there. And then I went around the neighborhood getting signatures and that was just so much fun, I mailed it to him. and. And, and didn't get a response. And then my dad said, well, you know, you can, you can mail it to our MPP. He's a liberal. That guy's in the opposition. I'm like, okay. So I sent it to him. And then I got a response from Michael Wilson. I was so excited. And, and apparently the petitions got let read in the house. And anyway, that was the first thing. I was, that was really exciting. And then and like, okay, I want to do something else because that's a real buzz. I really like that. Um, and then, you know, next year I was in grade six and my, my dad was uh, uh, playing, like, like listening to this Radio program by David Suzuki called it's "Matter of Survival" is about climate change and about like you know the future. Uh, it, it, in, if we continue on the path of like you know carbon consumption, and, um, and it was so scary and I was like oh my god, I have to do something like I, I can't just listen to this and not do anything. This is horrible. So uh, so I started this club, and um, and we'd meet in the library every Wednesday, and uh, and listen to these tapes. But it got kind of boring, and then my. Uh, my wonderful science teacher from the previous year stepped in. And this guy really made a difference. He, um, So he can, and I, I begged and begged, please, Mr. Cagino, will you please? Like, I, I, I'm busy. I've got all these, please, please, please. And so we decided to supervise it. So we had a staff person. And then he hooked us up with uh, an environmentalist, uh, who now is a park named after him in Aurora. And is um, trying to remember his name now. It'll probably come to me, but it's, it slipped my mind at this moment. And he was organizing to save a forest that I didn't even know was uh, due to be sold to a land developer right behind my house, right near us. And it was, it's a beautiful little forest. And there was a a sign up that I hadn't, but that went up around the same time that I wouldn't have noticed, uh, say that it was due to, they were going to mow the whole thing down. And, uh, and there were some counselors organizing to fight that. And, and so Mr. Cagino helped organize his students who I, I realize now in retrospect, he was encouraging to come to that, to our, our weekly meetings in the library and they organized, and they got like 500 signatures and, uh, and then, um, Klaus Werenberg, that's the name of the activist. And, uh, Uh, so the, so Klaus Wehrenberg came in and, you know, visited my house and like, you know, talked to my dad and helped me figure out, okay, uh, looks like they're taking deputations. First time I ever heard of a deputation. You can go to city hall or town council, Aurora, very conservative town, very conservative by the way. uh, (laughs) I mean, I love my whatever, you know, it's like, Oh my God. (laughs) But, uh, uh, so we could depute and, um, and so we got on the list and we presented our petition. And then later, the mayor of the town, I mean, there were a lot of counselors working hard and this came and visited our environmental club for lunch um, to give his side of the story. And then the parents showed up and I was a little bit concerned. I didn't really want him to come, but uh, but he did. And we got to, to you know, ask him questions. And I, I recall being kind of angry toward him, like not really, but anyway, but he came and did this and, but, like, that was something, right? And so I was like, okay. And then, quite frankly, Jess, I, and they, did, they didn't burn down. You know what? I didn't even realize. I lost track of the, of that forest. I didn't know because it didn't get taken down. Well, so that was going to be my down, question. Did I, you save head, the forest,
0: thought,
1: Anna? Yeah, It did get saved. I mean, like, the city yes! councilors and Klaus Swerenberg, yeah. And, and also, like, I, I, I imagine, I mean, I realize now if the mayor came to visit our school, He must have thought that that had some impact. I don't know. Like, you know, he took a little time out to give his side of the story. Um, But I thought... That when it didn't get taken, I, I never imagined. I did not think that we had succeeded. I never imagined that we would, and I just assumed that it must have been another region. Because you know they play these little games oh, yeah. about like which area. They'll get you lost in the details, and I got confused by the details and thought that they just meant some other region of that of that wooded area um, that had that was more sparse. Um, and I thought that for decades. And then uh, eating lunch with or, you know came to visit my dad for dinner once. He goes, well, you know, you saved that spot. I'm like what? The, what? And he goes, well, you know, they they had they had a sign. He reminded me of the sign, which had been posted right next to the most densely wooded area. You know, well, they took it down, and I was like, "You're right, they did. That is exactly what. I, t- my God, they probably they would have they they would have taken it." I, you know, um, and and there, I mean, of course, there are a whole lot of I, you know, it was a whole lot of work that went into that, and we just got to kind of, you know, be part of it. But that that was an exciting thing, and then I, I basically didn't do any activism again, Jessa. It, uh, that was like the peak of my political life, um, until university, when I got, when I got into York, you know, when I went to York university and ran into an amazing group of, of activists. Um, Joel Harden was what was one of those and just like really amazing. Like that, that was when I discovered socialism and like real (laughs) grassroots activism and direct action. It was a wonderful mentoring experience and, and just met such wonderful people. And, uh, and I credit them with a lot of my knowledge today. So good folks, there. I'm gonna name a whole, but there are a lot. They're all still. The, a lot of them are still on the left today.
0: I very similar. Like I went to York as well for political science, and uh, I wouldn't say like that's where I started my activism, but oh, that was very um, full of Marxists. That school, right? Thankfully, yes. <laughs> I had a lot of fun with um, really great professors, like David McNally. Um, comes top to mind um I was lucky to have him especially if we're going to talk about anti-racism right um that was such a nice story about the forest Anna like you say it kind of dismissively, but, you know, deputizing and learning those processes and the levers of power and who you had to kind of go to. I mean, you were getting that instruction quite early, which, um, you know, regardless whether you used it for a few years is is not the point. And it's so funny because you're taking a completely different approach now. Right. Like, um, we've all signed the petitions. We've all written to politicians. We know where most of the time that goes. even though you were successful, you saved the dang forest. Um, but you know, police, uh, we won't defund the police through petitions. We know that. Um, right. Do you have any political allies in your work? You know, you ever had any, um, elected politicians down there, um, helping boost your visibility or is this a bit of a hard sell for those
1: folks? I, I'm not. I'm not saying that they wouldn't. Uh, but yeah, uh, oh, Jessa. Oh my God. You know, like I mean. So I've done. Yeah. You know. I think you really identified the path there. You know. That that was my first time being on a council and listening to them say, "Well, you know what? We have we have a nice project for you. Would you like to be on our environmental committee? Okay. And now, so we we're thinking you could go out with your friends and pick up garbage, and, you know, or do or do something with green box, you know, with blue boxes which had just come out, you know. And I'm thinking. No, no, we want to stop the corporations from polluting, right? But that's not what you guys want to do. You You want to just keep me busy to to pick up, right? Like "Hmm." Like I had my son picking up sticks earlier. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not sure, but you know, and I just I'm, I'm not liking where this is going. And and of course, that's exactly what happens for as long as you're involved in bureaucratic. Organizing, and I'm not saying that it doesn't have its merits, but um, you know, I was very active in my union. I was on the executive of, of my of my union for a while, and and did a lot of work with folks trying, you know, organizing, uh, trying to build a community, a community organizing, uh, t- like a, a committee that would. Uh, I mean, the, what what I really what we really wanted to see, what I wanted to see, was uh, a citywide um, network of uh, parent teacher community teacher. Uh, councils sponsored by the union, right? And and so we really worked hard on this. But the thing is that it's very... Community organizing is really antithetical to a lot of the um, established bureaucracies that we use in politics. A lot of that machinery just doesn't operate that way. And so uh, there, there's a point where, um, like, I just decided, well, it, it seems that I, I just you know, the higher you go up the ladder, the less maneuverability it has. Do I have more power to do stuff or do I just have more visibility? So restrictive. Yeah, like I, this isn't fun. Yeah. yeah. You know? and, and, and I'm not saying it doesn't have a place like mobilize. You can, you can revive a union. You can, you can, you know, do incredible work. Um, but I think it's, but I, I, ha, I can't say that I've really focused on trying to get the attention of politicians. I uh, When my spouse was still alive, I, I was married to a... I really loved my dude. He was he was awesome. He was my comrade. And I uh and he was with me during a lot of union organizing and he used to say, Annie, just get don't get caught up with these big names. Ignore them. That's not who you're trying to organize. Like they're already political. Don't worry about that. Like, forget them. Right? Organize the people who, who don't have an organization yet to like be, be with those folks. that's who you need to throw your, you know, your power That's who you want to support. And it just makes so much sense that to me. That is now good because, advice. Yeah you know, and then if politicians want to show up, you know, maybe we'll let them.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, the amount of wheel spinning that I see people do to just get the ear of, you know, a certain critic to get a certain policy to a certain table. It takes so much effort. And like you essentially have to sell your soul half the time because you have to drift to center to make anything palatable enough for some of those people. But, um, I had, uh, was talking right. to a guest earlier about like clout chasing too. So, you know, right. if, if you somehow, if you're polit, if there are politicians drawn to your actions, sometimes you start to wonder, <laughs> am I doing the right thing? Is this become that's right to too soft, too easy um, for them to glom onto, you know, without any substance. So not to mention yeah. that it pushes people away to the partisanship and whatnot. But I thought like, it's really hard to even hear a lot of politicians talk about defunding the police. I know Matthew Green has been pretty vocal and and Joel, I think has, has said a little bit, but um Right now, the party on the left, the NDP, you know, currently supports more RCMP funding. And um, it's really not on the political agenda. How do we get it there, though? We need those people to actually fix the budgets, right? So, you know, here in Toronto, I guess you're really talking, God help you, John Tory. Um, please don't let him win again, because that man will never defund the police, not not a nickel. Right. Um, so how right. do you get them, like we build these communities, but your, your banner has a goal, right? Like how do we
1: get yeah. there? How do we, well, you know, there, there has been some criticism, just crit- the only, like the, the criticism that I agree with most in terms of that banner is that I should say abolish the police. All right. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. I will. Well, one then, one you know step what? at a and time I, and, and, and that was that was one of the first criticisms that, that 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 struck me and i i mean the thing is that like I, i'm also aware that um as long as we think as long as long, like if, if we think about how are we gonna get them and then there's another way of thinking it's like well it's not about them we're gonna build i mean revolution and and i'm and and i'm and that is a good way to think because even if, if you, even if you don't, if you think in those terms, you are bound to apply more pressure. And in fact, the language in uh, in, in what we say, we don't say that we are asking them them to defund. We are to, it's to to compel a transfer of wealth from police, military, and big business into sustainable infrastructure owned by the people or managed by I forget exactly, but like in the hands of. Owned and controlled by the people. And, and so how we compel that? Everything is on the table.
0: That just doesn't fit on a banner. That right? Like we you may have that's a a, a mouthful, but let's break that down a little bit. <clears throat> so a transfer of wealth uh, from essentially the most powerful forces in our society will meet a lot of resistance. Right. So I so you're saying your goal then is to build communities until they are large enough to withstand that resistance. Damn the politicians that might be in our way at the time. Right. Yeah. I mean, even, you know, when I ask you who you're appealing to and you definitely have made it clear, like I'm not appealing to John Tory. We have given up hope on that man or, or his actions. But, you know, in the end, they will. Only act once there is a massive movement underneath them, or of course they are swept away by it, which would be even better. Um, so it's not it's not a criticism. In fact, like it's it's a diversification of tactics, right? Like someone can still be going into Jean Tory's office and trying to ask him to defund the police, if that's what floats their boat. But clearly, we need enough people. In the movement, connected to one another, to to make it clear that that dem- that's a demand, not an ask. Do you find um, that you are building? Have, do you continue to have momentum?
1: Yeah. Oh, for sure. It's um, yeah. It's uh, I. And I think a lot of that comes out at Lamback Square, actually. You know, and it's um, yeah, both of them. Like, um, you know got, got more of a solid crew that comes out and then we connect with other groups. And then, you know, being able, it, it also meant that we were able to, um, carry off, you know, like, a, 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 we did a peace demonstration a little while ago that was sort of affiliated, not completely under the banner of our same organization, but, but once you've established that you are regular, consistent, um, people know where to find you. You end up so much more able to connect to the other the other organizing that's going on, Um, and and I think right now, given how like I'm just going to get back to that topic. You know, it's kind of like a reformer revolution kind of question, right? You know, um, are we asking them, or are we going to do it ourselves? And uh, and right now, we're watching the neoliberal establishment. lose credibility on a scale that, uh, that I don't think we've seen, um, certainly like, like not, like not in my gender, not in our generation. Um, and we've actually, and, and one symptom, one really blatant symptom of this is, you know, rampant conspiracy theories, um, far right movements that can, you know, uh, can boldly march around, you know, with, with near impunity, right? Like these, these things happen at revolutionary moments, you know, for, based on what I, I, you know, based on whatever, you know, studying I've done, you know, re- like it's, it's because the, the system is actually so, um, uh, has lost so much credibility and 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 the economic system is just not functioning to keep most people fed and content and then you know there's some some middle class folks with a little bit of you know with privilege and anger and whatever you know will take this far right route but but there's there's a power vacuum right and then there's a competition uh and I think you know we saw this in the 30s you know like who's going to fill that power vacuum and Um, There was a similar, you know, similar, you know, stuff was going on in in Europe around the time of the First World War. Right. And, and, um, and that, and that's very much like that competition between the right and the left is very much where, you know, Rosa Luxemburg's movement and where, you know, where, where, uh, you know, the Russian revolution came from and, and very much the peace movement that, you know, that that actually was very successful. We don't talk about World War I being an armistice very often. That, in fact, you know, the Russian Revolution, people rising up in a revolution saying, no, no, we don't want this war anymore, was very much a part of that, stopping a, an imperialist war. Um, that the peace movement and a movement for international socialism has very much like that revolutionary uh, comp- like um, fire to it, that, that, that it has that source um, that when the wars become intolerable, when the situation it becomes intolerable, um, and uh, you know, and, and it's a moment of crisis. That's very often where people decide that there that there absolutely has to be a, a drastic change, and and so I see that when we talk about you know whether we're, we're lobbying someone else or just actually saying, well, what if, what if we did it? Like, if you organize always, like, you know, I remember someone said this to me once, and I never forgot it, um, that like, you know, a revolution doesn't just happen, because you organize and overthrow the establishment. It also happens when the establishment is weak, because part of what's going on is that there's kind of a collapse of the establishment, it stops working so well, you know, Like, you know, Tsar Nicholas doesn't have have his his shit together and and it's all chaos. And so whoever is the most organized basically becomes the power. And so always, always to organize so that you are, you you are the most organized group around so that when stuff stops working, you're the one who fills in the power vacuum. That can be an immediate, that can be a a sudden change or it can be gradual. Whoever is the most organized See that You'll set the tone politically. <laughs> that
0: terrifies me at the moment because although, you know, love what you're doing, but you have to admit there's a huge vacuum on the left in terms of like leadership or consolidation and the right, um, demonstrated by the, you know, most recently the occupations of Ottawa, like we've not even Occupy Toronto didn't occupy that kind of space. Well, that's
1: good. It's okay.
0: Yeah, you know, I can talk. But it's like, yeah. it's kind of like misogynistic, you know, like actually women are, are usually quite more, more brave. Um, but do you know what I mean? Like that. I hate to give it any kind of credit, but like that is a huge success on an organizing scale, especially during a pandemic when people are poor, struggling, mostly wanting to stay inside. And they were able to not just occupy Ottawa, but have all of these solidarity actions that are still continuing today. So... So yeah, that's why you see me making those faces is that's me cringing when you say, you know, in this absence of power, who will take over. And I think if we were to flip that coin right now today, that would not be the left, that would not be us. So how do we take our Thursday action along with all the other work that your comrades are doing across Turtle Island and beyond and get to that point, you know, um, you know, what are we, what are we missing? What work needs to be done? So, you know, I I told you earlier, I'd ask you if there were a thousand Anna's, you know, what would they be doing right now? Would you be in a thousand different police
1: headquarters or be disrupting more? Oh, you know what, Jessa, I I was thinking about this with some of my, my friends, um, because sometimes you got to just take a step back and and not ask yourself what you're willing to do, but what needs to be done. And, and one thing that I've realized and that I've learned from the people who I organize with is that, um, you really need to always be disrupting. And, and, and I didn't like, I, that's not necessarily what I wanted to hear because, uh, sometimes I don't want to, I don't want to get arrested.
0: Yeah. That's not the easy way out. <laughs> you
1: know, but then I'm here. I am with other friends who clearly don't, who are just going to be there regardless. I'm like, okay, well, I got a ton of privilege, you know? Like, you know, and here are my friends who don't have that much privilege. They're, they're not scared. Okay, all right. So then I realized actually disrupting, like, when you can't, when you don't have the numbers, but you just constantly disrupt, you uh, you get, first of all, you get more attention. You draw more people. Um, you, you build your own courage. And you make things difficult for the opposition. And you manage to, um, you you, uh, you pack a harder punch. And it, it's a way of of, of uh, accomplishing more. And so I, you know, I, I was thinking to my, to my I was, you know, we were talking, I said, really, what we need to start doing, we need to start occupying some of these vacant apartments. And we've got a massive homeless crisis here in Toronto. You know, it's appalling. You know, people can't afford to live in their own city. And, you know, tons of people are on the street, you know, and, um, you know, I know lots of people who've been on and off homeless. And um, and so thinking about, uh, like, I think the answer is that you keep disrupting. Um, I think there, and, you know, block, you know, do, whatever makes, uh, whatever makes the establish whatever throws a wrench into things and I I'm not the expert on that like in truth this is where I'm learning from my comrades this is where I'm learning from my friends because I, I wouldn't have blocked the the young street at Dundas uh, a young in Dundas I didn't have that much guts my friends had that much guts <laughs> I stood with them and I'm very glad for that so I'm following their lead right now um, but I do believe that there has to always, you always have to be uh, getting, you know, when you don't have the numbers and you need to increase the visibility and 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 f- there's like a balance because you don't want to alienate yourself from most people. It has to, your actions have to be uh, clearly justified. And uh, when the law is as... Uh, <sighs> meaning like really like you know when the law is as arbitrary as, as i see it being right now like a good friend of mine was just like a number of people who i know one particular good friend uh richard was just like taken right off the street followed by plainclothes officers after a press conference about uh an, an encampment clearing uh and, and just like r- thrown into a van and you know into a police van and uh for some stupid thing like apparently they, they alleged that he threw a water bottle. Uh, way, way, way back during the Lamport Stadium, you know, they don't even have like, there's no evidence of it. And um, so when it's that arbitrary, I just I think that there's a lot to be said for just say, okay, well, they'll, they'll make the law whatever they want. So let's just decide what is justified, what makes sense, what will be recognized as reasonable to most people to most uh, well thinking people, well intentioned people. And um, and just fo- follow that, and disrupt, and continue to organize, and continue to disrupt, and um, yeah, and that that means traffic, it means occupations. Yeah, I think maybe that's where and it means
0: courage and friends that you kind of talk about limitations. You don't call them that, but needing to make sure that you know you don't push the boundaries so far as you. Uh, alienate the same people that you are trying to draw to the movement. And I think that's perhaps where the right went wrong, you know, um, putting up a hot tub, you know, and defacing um, people for having rainbow flags, you know, the, the, the dog shit thrown at people. And, you know, they just, they took disruption to a whole new level and it then became, essentially meaningless. It just became this act of rage. Um, the messaging got lost and thankfully, you know, some people distance themselves from them, but at the same time, you know, you want to keep pushing those boundaries too. Right. So how do you find that balance between, you know, making sure you're palatable, but also disruptive enough that it matters. Right. So because that in political organizing that, that's what I find so frustrating too is often policies or actions have to be passed through so many people and you know, well this this group of voters won't like that, so why bother? Even though you know it's the right thing to do. And um I hate that. Like that is just so limiting. So
1: well, it- that's why people love you. <laughs> Because you, know, you don't, you know, and, and, the, and people do care. like, you know, people are smarter in their heart than they are in their head. You know, like, some people so. will disagree yeah. because it feels like the safest thing to say, but inside they're like, I like what she's doing, <laughs> you know, and, and, and on a deep level, they're like, yeah, keep going, keep going, you know, and and, and it inspires people. And, you know, like, and that's what leading is about. It's not the same thing as chasing votes or being a political weather vane. And you're not that, you know, and and, and it's, and that's what's memorable. Like, that's what people are going to remember, you know, like these people who just care about getting reelected. No one's going to frigging remember them in 1520. No one cares. No, and they're so ineffective they, they don't too. Stand, there's nothing to remember, uh-huh. you know,
0: Yeah. no change. No. And, you know, sometimes I ask interviews in interviews, you know, what's one policy that would make you stop doing what you're doing? You know, like if there's specific funding, sometimes public education whatnot. But, you know, when you're coming from an anti-capitalist smash the system, it's, you know, the work is never done. Right. So, um, yeah, settling for middle of the road, you know, actions or policies is kind of I think we're just so beyond that. Right. It's like, that's, I mean, there's, there's a time and a place for everything. There's the easy in, right. You want to draw people into the easy thing. That's not so, you know, the people who don't want to get arrested, right. Let them kind of stand in the background, get more brave, um, understand the need for disruption and its effectiveness. So like, I really do appreciate the time you spent here today, um, driving that point home that the need for disruption, because That's, you know, part of what we're doing here with this podcast is, you know, it's a bit of disillusionment with the electoral system and the amount of energy that really good people are spending inside those toxic spaces. So hopefully we... They are toxic. They are. Oh, firsthand knowledge, know it. I've seen so many friends damaged through it, but I have never really seen that kind of toxicity in any kind of organizing circles I've been in. There's always problem characters. You always have the same issues of perhaps being infiltrated by centrists or, you know, just personal issues that might erupt, but it's never to that level of, you know, repression that you can feel inside. So like hearing you describe spoken word and you know even just picturing two folks holding the banner in the rain is like so heartwarming to me because I've been there you know when you have no idea who's going to show up you just know you and a friend are hopefully and um so I mean I think and we did that with the
1: KKK convoy go home banner like like that we had like a few but you know people appreciated it and it was just this little bit of disruption it was freaking something you know I, um, At a time where we need needed to that
0: too, you know, we needed to see some of our comrades instead of watching the convoy, we needed to see a little fight back there. So I, you know, I wish I was in the city, Anna, like I'm up here in Sutton. I'm, I'm a city girl. I grew up in Scarborough. So when you're you say Malvern, Oh, I'm, I'm in, oh, S- I, I love my Ontario, town right? if anyone's listening. Um, I'm in Sutton. Yeah. So uh, just. I thought you were out East. No, wait, you're you in mean? Ontario. Like, yeah. I thought
1: you were down East.
0: No. No, I'm oh an Ontario God. girl. I'm Let's just an order. hour out of the city. So like, there's, you I know, grew
1: up in Aurora, Thoracliff Park, and then and then Aurora. Yes, yes I'm in Georgia. So, yeah, so. I, know I'm with you. I know where that is. I Yeah. Know Sutton.
0: yeah. <laughs> so I, like, I wish I was in the city, because the thought of that being so accessible, you know, even your banner drop, I was like, I say to my my partner all the time, like, I, we have to move back into the city can't afford it, right? I'm just like the amount of networking and, and connections or that, what you said, you know, if you just know that there's a bad day and there's going to be some fighting comrades there on a Thursday and you can show up and just be a part of it, if nothing else. Um, You know, I, there was a time where we all went out and hit the pots and pans at some, not during COVID. Yes. I mean, um, during the Maple spring, right. Um, right when right. the Quebec students were doing it and yeah, we set it up every in a park. I can't remember which park. I think we were in Moss Park every uh, week and some of the neighbors came out and yeah, yeah, the first time it's two people, then four people, then more people. And then it started to dwindle, right? Because we needed to add something to it. We didn't. And so it died, but um, it's, I love that you're just so consistent and so determined. And you know, when I say like, what's your end goal? And you're like, yeah, we're not even close to there. So this is what I'm doing for the next foreseeable um, but there is an
1: end goal, and and I want, and I actually really want to state it because um, the disruption is important. It's also important to build an organization that where that has enough integrity, um, moral integrity, and structural integrity that you're confident that actually, that actually, yeah, we could if if we could build a world like this, that this could be the world this is something that, uh, that I could live in, that I would want my children to live in. Like this is, you know, um, because, it, because building something better is what fascism doesn't do. It, it's, it, it, it will use rhetoric and blame and appeal to the working class frustration, um, get funded by big capital, and um, but never propose a program to correct the problem. And so um, disrupting, while at this disrupting the establishment, while at the same time building something, building an organization that you really are that that you feel at home in, that makes other people feel at home, that has processes for for reconciliation within it, that has equity based processes that, that that shares resources where that has real integrity, then you're doing something more lasting than what those assholes were doing, you know you know, with, the, with, the you know, in, in Ottawa, like that. And, and, and people do see it and it has staying power. And, and there's always that the prospect of, you know, um, um, what not what, what's a, um, protra- like long-term resistance, right? Like, you know, like a lot of movements have sustained the war for many, many years. Right. With, with protracted. that kind of, um, defense protracted. Thank you for calling up the word I was looking for. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Were you at Occupy, Anna? I wish I was. Because I, I think I like wish. that's... No, I I, was, I walked around. it. I was in my first few years of teaching. I, no, I, I was, I had my nose in the books. I, I was teaching at that point and didn't uh, really get out very much. I was, yeah.
0: Because it's, you know, it's what you describe in the way that Obviously, it had its issues, but the attempt was there to demonstrate an alternative way to live, an alternative way to make communities and to lean on each other and to celebrate each other and educate each other. And um, that's what it was. It had other things, but it had the same critique that you sometimes might face where The goals were so broad because the vision was just so transformative. It wasn't a single policy we wanted. We needed something you've never seen before, people. So we may have different ideas on what that looks like right now, but we know how we're going to get there. And um, so the vision wasn't super clear at the end, but what it looked like in the now was like, that was clear. We just wanted it bigger. You know, if we could just make this park, to the next park, to the next park, to the bigger community. If we could operate Turtle Island in this fashion, we would start to understand how to undo what we've done. And so I totally appreciate that as as an end goal. And you're right, that's something fascism certainly doesn't do. The right does not do. What, What I saw them kind of replicate instead of like this loving community was a more militaristic Replication on Ottawa, right? They had um, right. the terminology they were using amongst themselves. The tactics they were using were very um, combative. It, it didn't sh- like that's really if you use them as your vision of what you wanted it to be, and compared, you know, the Park and Occupy or your square, not your square, Landback Square, to that, and it, it's wondering why people would be drawn to that vision versus the one that you know you've demonstrated you know um so i would love to be able to amplify what you're doing so what can people do where's your police headquarters in sutton it's just we've got a york region police just down the street (laughs) off a baseline i I mean i'm in a community where people still fly uh confederate flags and um it's it's not great in that terms but that just means there's definitely lots of work to do but I mean, how can people listening now help you specifically? Let's just remind people where a few of these items are. So you are every Thursday, where?
1: Yep, uh, Forty College, and that is right near Bay and and um, college. And it's the, the Metro Toronto Police Headquarters. And every Thursday at five o'clock, and sometimes we'll give like a high five to people to remind folks five see you at five um in right in front of the police headquarters and uh there's music and if and it, there's food if you want to bring a little bit that's great and uh and the weather's getting nice and so we're going to be there and uh and very often on sunday um uh, probably more consistently coming up at uh at young and dundas uh at four o'clock on sundays um yeah and uh yeah so that that's where we are uh that's where we can be found on you know that's where we can be found in toronto
0: and i i it still makes me think back. To, so you know where to find anna you know i imagine it's all <laughs> i hopefully it's all comrades listening i'm sure the police know just where to find you at any exactly, given well, time anyway we get
1: some, no sometimes we get some assholes no we do there, there, there's you know you get people you don't want sometimes no doubt um yeah. And what do you uh, do then? And so, you know, reading up on, uh, I don't think I can repeat what I, I uh, well, there was this one time, um, someone joined our group who, um, who actually used to be a member of the far right. And i made like real effort. I just said, you know, like I went through this thing and I've left and I've like publicly disavowed everything. And I, you know, and I like now do this work to denounce and, you know, and I forget and, and somehow someone came to harass him. I forget exactly what it was. Um, and, uh, would just kind of like stood there and just kind of, you know, be physically present and, you know, sorry, no, you know, please take your camera elsewhere, you know, but always trying to st- always stay calm, you know, be, be the calmest person there. Um, so, uh, I put police, uh, it's really strange to me when the police start to come up, like what, like, and to me, it's such an image of of the overfunding, you've got so much time on your hands, <laughs> like really gross amounts of time on your hands. Don't tell me this is a difficult job. Okay. You know, people who work in the public sector, the actual public serving sector know what it means to work hard because they they don't have enough people to do the work that they have. You have too many people. You don't know what to do with yourselves. You're standing here watching us, you know, and, uh, um, yeah, I, I, um, what have we done? We've had, uh, it, you know, I don't think we've had a whole lot of trouble with, um, with far right people showing up actually. Um, I'd have to, but, but I think that whenever the police, whenever the police, whenever it looks like things could get tricky, start recording. Um, and, uh, and yeah, police, you know, when we were, uh, we, let, we did a walk to, um, Queens Park and, uh, like from our spot, connected it to other events. It's always like a piece that you can connect to other parts. Uh and to lay some shoes down by the John A. McDonald statue. And uh and it was very clear that, you know, there, there were police there fo- around us. Uh you know, they like we're not like these um I guess the security officers and also some police uh just wouldn't go away and they would kinda of come up from behind. They're very sneaky. Like that I think that there's any quality that I would attribute to them more than anything. It's it's certainly not courage. But sneaky <laughs> sneakiness very stealth <laughs> like cats yeah i like you it. just oh yeah. um but uh
0: the bikes don't make any noise right
1: yeah no i know yeah <laughs> oh, man i try to think what what else i was gonna say oh, don't, don't <laughs> worry
0: yeah we won't give too much uh air to what you know the right does um at at to to drive us nuts but um let me just take a look if there, is there anything I didn't ask you that I should have asked oh, yeah, you? No,
1: uh, no, I, no. I, uh, no, it's, it's really great to finally meet you, Jessa. I know. I love like, your posts. <laughs> I, I love reading we, your stuff. <laughs> thank you. We, well, yeah, we followed each other
0: on Facebook. Um, and you know, I, we've never connected like this, but. I got to find out everything I kind of wanted from you. Cause it was really just about picking your brain about why you do what you do. I, I appreciate that you do what you do and I'm definitely going to make an effort to be down there one Thursday. Um, I'm actually in the city soon. So uh, I will connect with you before I come down. Okay, sounds good. Like in all things that we do, there's a team behind Blueprints of Disruption. I want to give a big thank you to our producers, Santiago, Hello Quintero, and Jay Woodruff. Our show is also made possible by the support of our listeners, so if you appreciate our content and would like to become a patron, please visit us at www.patreon.com backslash Disruption. So if you know of any work that should be amplified or want to provide feedback of our show, please reach out to us on Twitter at bpofdisruption. Disruption. Blueprints of Disruption is a project of New Left Media, an independent employee-owned company.